Although there's a long history of plasma-derived treatments for several pathogens, only a handful of antibody therapies have been licensed for infectious diseases. But recent advances in the development of monoclonal antibodies could have important implications for our response to infectious disease outbreaks. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Anthony Fauci, Director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Dr. Fauci has co-authored a perspective article about the promise of monoclonal antibodies for rapid intervention during infectious disease outbreaks. Dr. Fauci, what are the primary benefits of using monoclonal antibodies for prevention and treatment of infectious diseases? What advantages do they have over current approaches? Well, one of the things that got us to be very interested in that is just that potential advantage, namely that when you have to respond, for example, to an unexpected outbreak of an infectious disease, one of the major tools against that to control it or hopefully eliminate it is the development of a safe and effective vaccine. The problem with that is that the time that it takes, even when you put it on a rapid pace, the time that it takes to get a vaccine that you show to be safe and effective often falls behind and lags dramatically behind the actual outbreak itself. Whereas if you can, with our techniques that we have right now, which are greatly improved over the past several years to isolate and develop monoclonal antibodies specific for the agent in question, you can use it much more rapidly. Obviously, there's the issue of being able to scale up. But to get a monoclonal antibody in hand soon after you're confronted with an outbreak has a major advantage over the long, time-honored, but nonetheless rather drawn-out process of developing a vaccine. You write in your article that several antibody therapies have been licensed for infectious diseases. What have researchers learned from the development of those therapies and from more recent attempts to create monoclonal antibodies against, say, Ebola or Zika? Well, for example, a classic monoclonal antibody for prophylaxis against respiratory syncytial virus has been developed with considerable success. We began thinking very intensively about this just literally over the past few years when we in rapid succession had to confront both the Ebola outbreak followed by the Zika outbreak. And it became very clear that during the Ebola outbreak that there were monoclonal antibodies in the form of ZMAP that was able to actually have an impact even though we did not have the opportunity of doing a very large clinical trial. We did show that there was clearly a tendency towards a benefit of this cocktail of three mouse-human chimeric antibodies against Ebola that we felt that this particular approach, if perfected, both in the development and scale-up of these antibodies, might have an important role in future outbreaks. So we're thinking that this is going to be something, and including, for example, influenza. So there have been now a couple of monoclonal antibodies that have been made against influenza. And when you think in terms of the threat of a pandemic influenza and you would want to get an antibody that would be effective in neutralizing a brand new virus well before the time it takes to develop the vaccine, here again is something that we're going to be pursuing and are pursuing at the present time. So how do you envision that process of developing new antibody therapies during an outbreak? There are a couple of ways of doing that. 
probably the easiest way, because the technology now is so sophisticated, is to get an individual who has been infected with whatever pathogen is the one behind the outbreak. And because of the ability now to clone the B cells from the B cell repertoire and essentially fish out, and truly uh, metaphorically fishing out the right B cell clones that have the specificity that you're thinking about and wanting to develop and immediately get those to be cloned, sequenced, and then the development of a high-throughput process to give you monoclonal antibodies, that's something that was unheard of years ago, literally unheard of, where you can actually probe and interrogate the B-cell repertoire and the B-cell lineage of a person who's recovered from the infection in question and use those B-cells as the source of the monoclonal antibody in question. And that's something that could be done immediately and from the standpoint of the process of it to be done very rapidly. So you could envision an outbreak where you have right away the sentinel people who are clearly getting sick from whatever pathogen you have in question. And as they recover, you just draw some blood from them and you could pull out with the techniques we have a variety of B-cell clones that have various specificities. And then you could test in vitro what is the best, what has the highest affinity, what is the most specific, what are the epitopes involved, and then start using them for both diagnosis, prophylaxis, and for treatment. You talk in your article about the current high costs of production and the complexity of administration of these monoclonal antibodies. So how great a limitation is that, and do you foresee a time when those issues will be less of a barrier than they are now? Well, that's a great question, and I'd have to answer totally honestly that it is a barrier that is substantial right now at present. But as we've done with so many other things that we've been able, we in the, in the field, not me personally, but we in the field have been able to develop over the years, is that once you get the first step, namely the specificity, the effectiveness of a particular antibody, then you work on the development of scale-up. But the idea of scaling up at a reasonable cost where these antibodies can be used widely is a challenge. But I do believe that as we get better and better as it, as we have with other technologies that have started off to be very cumbersome and very expensive, I believe over time when there's accelerated interest in this approach, which I believe there will be, that we'll be able to overcome that barrier of the ability to produce it at a high degree. In your article, you describe three indications for monoclonal antibodies. The treatment of infected individuals, targeted prophylaxis to protect high-risk individuals, and targeted prophylaxis to interrupt transmission in populations at average risk. So which of these strategies do you think has the most potential to halt the spread of an epidemic? Well, clearly, if you're talking about halting the spread of an epidemic, the last two that you mentioned, because the first one is the treatment of an infected individual, now, obviously, you can say, well, treatment will turn out to be prevention because if you treat a particular person, they may not transmit it to another. But I think the much more efficient way of preventing the expansion of an outbreak is the targeted prophylaxis either directly at high-risk individuals or even at a population level to prophylax and interrupt transmission in people who are at average risk. And that's really what we talk about, about interrupting the chain of transmission. So if you had an influenza outbreak, you may be able to use this as prophylaxis before you get a vaccine that is available to essentially have a more population-based 
prevention. So I, I believe the high-risk individuals that are targeted for prophylaxis is going to be a very important way to interrupt certain outbreaks, regardless of what the source of that outbreak is. Finally, what will it take to increase our interest and our investment in the use of monoclonal antibodies for infectious diseases? What, for example, is NIAID doing? Let me answer your question broadly, and then I'll get back to the specific of what we're doing. Really, nothing succeeds like success, as they say. Once you start demonstrating the effectiveness of this approach in different outbreaks, and we've seen inklings of this you know, with the ZMAP approach in Ebola with some of the monoclonal antibodies, albeit only in the animal model with Zika, they worked very well in the animal models to prevent the transmission of the virus to a fetus in an animal model and thus prevented the congenital defects in this animal model. I believe that when we get to the point of testing it in humans under these circumstances, we'll see similar success. So that's what I mean by nothing succeeds like success. Once you have a few examples of successful application of this particular approach, you're going to get a lot more interest in it. What we at NIH are doing is what we do most of the time with these types of approaches, and that is to do the basic and clinical research to get this developmental process to be quick and to be effective. We've done that, and it ranges all the way from the fundamental basic research on B-cell lineage. That really led to the ability to develop monoclonal antibodies of a high degree of specificity and the high degree of ability to neutralize whatever particular pathogen you have in question. So the NIH's job will be what we have been doing all along, is the fundamental basic and clinical research leading to the application of these types of interventions. Thank you, Dr. Fauci.